there is just six more sleeps before, I think, the first ever Super Sunday live on Fox League. What a day it's going to be this Sunday in round 21 of the Telstra Premiership. Retro round right here on Fox League. And it will feature one versus four, two versus three. A preview, potentially, of what we may see in week one of the finals. It's... Sensational. What a way to spend your Sunday afternoon either at the games, the two games, or watching it live on Fox League. Mm. Hi, everybody. Warren Smith, Maddie Russell, Lara Pitt here. Uh, back from uh, your investigative work or your Oh, on yes. My retro round like? work. Yes, it's go? all been in build up to this incredible week that we have been uh, anticipating for many, many weeks here at Fox League. And we cannot wait to get dressed up again and be ridiculous all week. Um, I'm sure you guys will as well in the commentary box, won't you? Get get those uh, flares back on. My 16-year-old says I dress up retro round every week. <laughs> you do. So I just come as normal. You've got corduroy. Yeah, right I know. Now. I know. <laughs> oh, dear. But, yeah, I went out last week and we caught up with Ron Coote and Bob McCarthy at the SCG and had a cup of tea and um, – they told some golden oldie stories from the 70s and that's the era that we're celebrating this week. So um, that'll be on League Life on tomorrow. And um, Give us your favourite yarn, Lars. Oh, can I – I might have to give you my second favourite because okay. if I give you my favourite, then it ruins the story. Okay. <laughs> um, my second favourite was when – so Bob McCarthy has a memory – like no one else. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to sit down with Ronnie Coote's pretty good too. Yeah, but Bob can just remember injuries from the 1940s wow. and things that just nobody would ever entertain, even think of trying to keep in your brain forever. But, uh, yeah, so he was telling us a story and me and, me and Ron just got lost in all of it. And Ron just turned around and goes, we call him and, you know, Bob McCarthy, Robin Crusoe, it came up with this weird name to describe him and basically we decided he's an encyclopedia of rugby league. And then Bobby gives Ron constantly a hard time because he thinks he's frugal and he said, oh, yeah, Ron, and he goes, oh, I also happen to remember that I lent you 200 bucks last week and he just rides him because he's made a great success of himself, Ron. I'm not mm. sure if you're familiar but he... Uh, was lucky enough to purchase up a few McDonald's yep. franchises back in the day and his family run all of them now. So the whole theme of it is Bob riding his old teammate for being frugal with his money and I sort of said to Bob, well, it's paid off for him, hasn't it? Because um, he, yeah, he's done very well for, McDonald's, it, for himself. McDonald's, men right? of league, yep. everything he yeah. touches seems to but turn But he also gave Ron uh, away and said that he uh, doesn't put tomato on the burgers in all of his McDonald's because he's, uh, <laughs> he's so... Frugal with everything. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Cuts the pickle extra thin. <laughs> Bobby. Anyway, but yeah, lots of fun yarns around what the game was like, playing with a leather ball back in those days, not having interchanges, playing 80 minutes. Of course, they feel like players these days that rack up 300 games are nowhere near as tough as the players who played back then because they played for 80 minutes and they never came off. Often and, in mud up to their ankles. Yeah, and usually they would get skin taken off their hip in round one and it wouldn't come, it would never have time to heal again from round one to the grand final. But they played in many grand finals and um, spoke so beautifully about playing at the SCG but also being fans when they were little kids sitting on the hill at the SCG and looking at the Warriors on the field run down the, run down the race outside the members and then they couldn't believe that they then became people that ran down for a living and uh, became the heroes of the next generation. So just beautiful 
beautiful stuff talking to those two. You could, I could do it forever. I love League it. life this yep. week. Don't miss it. Yeah. They said that they'd get taken from the hip down to the knee off, and then they'd just get they just put some cream on it, and then put their pants on, and they'd be standing at the leagues club, and there'd be stuff seeping. Through oh, their pants. oh, nice. <laughs> oh yeah. Because you couldn't miss the beers after the game, yeah. and yeah, they just your said there was no. Yeah, your pants would be sticking to the yeah. leg, and yeah. oh. six schooners such an important part of <laughs> yeah. the recovery process in the good old days. I remember watching games, and you could pick the fresh player onto the field because they were clean, especially, you know, think of Penrith in the white uh, as they were predominantly using at times and you think there's the fresh player. He's the only player who doesn't have dirt all over him now after 80 minutes their jumpers are just they Covered haven't in played. Mud. Yeah, so he's, they describe the pitch and often it would be worse if it wasn't damp because if it was if it the surface had dried, yes. it would be this roll of hard, firm, oh. mud, like just rock solid and, you, yeah, that's where you'd get the nasty skin injuries because it'd be like that from round one, basically. It never had time, not only the injury, but the pitch never had time to recover. <laughs> there were some high shots of uh, Penrith's game the other night from above and just a sensational, you know, green emerald velvet carpet that is mm. the field now. And you go back to when, you know, so if you see highlights of Brandy playing and just sort of go... Wow, look at the field. Yeah. And they, you'd, but, have, you'd have three grades train on it three, four times a week, whatever, and then, you know, three, four games over the course of weekend or junior rep games as well. I mean, the field just got absolutely obliterated during the mm. course of a season. Now the fields, they're only used for game day pretty much. That's it. Yeah, yeah. and we, when you're sitting there talking to the two of them at the SCG and you're looking out now and the pitch is like a carpet compared to back then. But, yeah, they paint a picture perfectly of what it was like back in their day. Speaking about being obliterated, what about the score lines this weekend? Average winning margin of 25 points across eight games. Tigers winners by 24. Raiders by 34. Storm by 36. Manly 24. Sharks a modest 15. The Roosters by 52. So the two skinniest margins were the Dogs and Eels winning by eight points each. It was a blowout in round 20. It's been a tough season for, obviously, Queensland rugby league fans with the Cowboys, the Broncos and the Titans struggling for pretty much all of the season. Combined over the weekend, this was a low ebb for the three of them, quite obviously, they scored 14 points combined. The Cowboys, the Broncos... And the Titans scored 14 points. That wouldn't them. have happened before. Surely that wouldn't have happened before. That has to be a record. Goodness gracious. Unbelievable. What's gone wrong north of the Tweed? Well, The bananas aren't bending anymore. Uh, Anthony Seabold came out and said that uh, the Broncos have had an issue with the Melbourne Storm for a decade plus. What did you make of his comments? There's been a lot said about, and we're going to hear um, on tonight. So if you're listening to this on Monday afternoon or early Monday evening on your travels home, on the bus, in the car, whatever, on the train, um, tune into um, NRL 360 tonight because Anthony Seabold is a guest with Ben Eichen and Paul Kent. So that'll be fascinating. And no doubt they will ask him about the comments he made after the game and that thrashing at 40 points to four at the hands of Melbourne Storm on their own patch as well. I mean, there was a chance there. The Broncos have never been held scoreless at Suncorp Stadium, and there was a big chance, quite obviously, deep into that mm. game, mm. they were going to be held scoreless. And well, Did you make anything of those comments? I, I just think, you know, he's been criticised for almost saying, we were never going to beat Melbourne we, and we weren't a chance, given our record. But I interpreted it as, we've got, we've got if we want to be a serious club who is a title contender, we have issues to address, not just at a coaching level, not just, not just at a playing level, 
because as you say in the classics, the fish stinks from the head and things that happen in the boardroom are reflected what you know on the field by the players and all the way through the system. And maybe there is, maybe they have to have a really good, cold, hard look at the place and say, we have underachieved in a number of ways and it's reflected on the field. The field isn't where it begins, the field is where it ends. I would like to think that Brisbane fans want to hear their coach speaking after a loss like that. Like Craig Hodges spoke about the Gold Coast Titans, I listened to his media conference and he is the caretaker coach before Justin Holbrook takes over. He sat there, didn't try and manufacture any falsehoods or be someone he wasn't. He looked comfortable in his role there, albeit being uncomfortable with the performance. He called it out for what it was and he said that the players here won't be here if they continue not to try. And to say that they're not trying is the heaviest criticism I can hand out, right? Everything he said, I found myself going, yep, that's right. And he's not trying to sugarcoat it. He's not trying to deflect. He's not trying to manufacture something that isn't. He just looked uh, totally comfortable in that unwanted role. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what people look for in their coaches. I didn't read a lot into what Anthony Seabold had to say. I, I listened and moved on. I was more concentrating on how awesome, completely awesome, this Melbourne storm machine is. And I wasn't mm-hmm. worrying about Brisbane. Maybe their fans are more than I am, but I, I was uh, swayed by Melbourne, who yeah. were just mighty. Yeah. The fact that he's going back, though, and talking about the last 11 years, is that just using using it? as an excuse and just, in a way, taking pressure off the team a little bit, saying, you know, well, it hasn't been a good record against them for so long, so why would it be any different now? Um, so maybe he's a, he knows that his comments are going to absorb all the the chat and the pressure and mm. and we're all going to criticise him, And but on the inside, he could be saying something completely different to more, the playing More than group. likely. Yeah. Maybe he was doing a bit of a Wayne Bennett, yeah. who was always a master of taking the attention away from whatever area of the game or the performance he was yeah. most concerned about and got everybody talking about something else. A bit about like him saying... Anthony will say, please don't mention Wayne in the same yeah. sentence as me. <laughs> a but bit like somebody who's the leader of the free world. But <laughs> yes. when you've got someone like Phil Gould then reacting to Seabold and saying, well, you're the one that's charged with the task of changing the culture of the team, so why are you coming out and talking about what's happened in the last 11 years? It's now your team, it's your chance to, to put a stamp on it. But then that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the coach aren't we? We're not talking about the fact that the team is failing. Yeah, but, it's, it, you know, it takes – if it changes that quite obviously need to be made at the Broncos because they've underachieved now given their position and the one-team town and the advantages they have up there in a big city. Mm. They should be a title contender pretty much every year. Maybe that's unrealistic. But you look at Melbourne, there they are in a non-rugby league town and they are a title contender every year. And we went through it a couple of weeks ago and we said both those teams have massive advantages through third-party agreements. Mm. The two teams who blow everybody else out of the water as far as TPAs, third-party agreements, is the Melbourne Storm, who have more than a million dollars last year in third-party agreements, and the Broncos, who have a tick over $800,000. And there they are. There's a direct comparison. They've got Mm. the salary cap. They've got this advantage as well. And Melbourne would be spending or have, you know, players earning a million dollars more than some of the Sydney clubs through third-party agreements. And the Broncos are in a very similar situation. So Anthony Seabold, I've got, I'm with him. I'm saying yeah, this, this club has issues beyond what's happened on the field. And what's happened on the field is, is a result of what's happened potentially off the field. And the disaster that was, you know, the acrimonious split with the club and Wayne Bennett that dragged them down last year, probably carried over into the pre-season. That deal didn't get done until just before Christmas. 
So it's pretty pretty hard on Anthony Seabold to say, spin the place around, turn it, make it the, the shiny rugby league temple that it should be in the space of what is literally eight months or even less than eight months that he's had to work with the team and the club. And they've got massive games coming up. They're on the road this week to the Cowboys. Um, they've got the Panthers away, which is one of... I went through it this morning, and I reckon there's about 15 games between now and the end of the regular season that which will, which will decide everything, beginning, of course, with Super Sunday this week, the mm. Raiders and the Roosters and South and the Storm in the top four. The Panthers play the Sharks this weekend, another massive game. Can't wait for that one. But the Broncos on the road against the Cowboys, who you would think will potentially bounce back from being embarrassed. They were awful at Leichhardt last Thursday. Then they're on the road to the Knights as well. That's a, a huge game for both those teams. Then the week after that, they play the Panthers. The Broncos have three games. I mean, they could go through. Sorry, I've got the Cowboys there. Uh, Broncos have got the Cowboys, they've got the Panthers, and then they've got the Rabbitohs. Had it ran the wrong way. So three games there, which will directly influence whether they are going into the last couple of rounds as a chance to make the eight or whether they're going to miss the eight. And then, then they play Parramatta. Who knows what they'll yep. be fighting for in round 24, followed by the Dogs, which right here, right now, you'd say, OK, well, there's a win that Brisbane will pick up. But that will be Canterbury's last hurrah for the season. They'll be hell-bent on going out in style. And from what I saw on the weekend, they will fight to beat Brisbane and be a chance of beating Brisbane if they play with the resolve that they used to beat Penrith on Saturday night. Admittedly, the Panthers, way off the boil, couldn't attack but the Dogs, they deserve some credit for picking up their sixth win of the season. And I'll go into bat again for Dean Pay because a coach is employed to primarily pick up wins but also drive culture at the club. And that culture was justifiably questioned in the events that happened post-season last year. But this year, the way that they have stayed in the game, they've rolled their sleeves up with an understated, undermanned roster, let's face it. To pick up their sixth win, that means they're just two wins now behind Brisbane and Newcastle, one win behind the Warriors and North Queensland, and two wins clear of the Titans. That culture comes back to the coach. Dean Pay makes sure this team lifts and fights and is personified by Aidan Tolman, who played his 200th game for the Dogs, was, as usual, not flashy, but just a workaholic, finding himself in the right place at the right time. And as an extension to that, what a round for the milestone men. Robbie celebrating game 300 one week later. Huge on Thursday night to open the round. He was he fantastic. Was great. Yep. Tolman wins not only his 250th earlier this season, but his 200th <laughs> as a dog. So two of those six wins in milestone games for Aiden, which shows how the team lifts for him. Then you've got Cooper Cronk scoring his 100th NRL try. Brett Morris, his 150th NRL try. So some milestones this weekend to celebrate and the, the players involved uh, really stood up. So what does that mean for Penrith? The Panthers, well, let's go have a look. Because you put one of their superstars in that Bulldogs team, one of their attacking weapons, because they have a fair few to choose from. Well, they've got imagine the Bulldogs had Yeah, imagine the they Bulldogs had a playmaker like that in their, in their side. And they won't have, the Panthers won't have James Maloney this week yep. because he's going to be missing for the game against the Sharks. And the Sharks currently sitting in seventh position. The Panthers are in ninth. It's actually a shame. And they're both <laughs> on nine wins mm. and ten losses. That is a massive yeah. game, isn't it, mm. this weekend? He's out for tripping, and the reason that he didn't get a, a, a financial penalty, he's got a points penalty, is because once you've been charged three times or more in the one season, you are no longer eligible to cop the monetary fine. So this is his third, uh, at least. So he cops the grade one, and 
the 100-point penalty for which he gets loading for prize and away he goes, missing a game. So the Panthers have the Sharks while we're talking about them. Then they're away three games on the road away. It's the Broncos away. It's the Cowboys away. It's the Roosters away. They finish with the Knights who the way the Knights are going, having lost five games straight. Is that right now? Yeah, five, five straight for the Knights. They Their season might be done this week or the week after, and who knows what shape they'll be in by the time they face the Panthers in round 25. That's a massive run for the Panthers, isn't mm. it? Tough Huge. run. They get Sharks, kick Broncos, Cowboys away, Roosters away. But does Viliami Kikau fix their attacking woes? Doesn't that start? And, and that's the struggle. You look at the six and seven, the New South Wales halves, and they were side to side. There wasn't the thrust. There wasn't the attacking flair of any sorts against Canterbury. So I don't know whether the return of Big Bill Kikia necessarily fixes much. Well, he's been there for the majority of the games this season. They've scored more than 20 points three times all season. Just three. Three times. And they won those, well, they won seven games in a row. The first five of them, they didn't score 20 points in any of them. They were doing it with defence and, and, you know, they scored 16, 15, 19, 19 and 19 respectively. They can kick a field goal. Well, they had a, a lot of opportunities though, Matt. They had like, well, I've read, reading in here, 45. 50, I've said f- the updated stats, 52 tackles in the opposition 20 wow. to 16 for the Bulldogs. So, yeah, they're missing that final pass or that final bit of flair at the end of a set or something. So it's there. It's just being able to capitalise. And we know that I was watching that game at home going, oh, they're going to come home here because they can go bang, bang, bang. So I think they've got time to flick a switch and come back and get on a a winning run, but they've got to do it soon. And the Sharks are not going to be an easy team to do it against because all of a sudden Wade Graham comes back and they look like a completely... wow. Different outfit. The um, the Panthers still haven't recovered from losing over the past couple of seasons. Matt Moylan and Tyrone Peachy. And when you think about the Panthers, when they made those runs towards finals, when those two were still together, it was invariably, you know, that's just that ad-lib footy, just you know, playing backyard-style footy, keep it alive, scoring 80-metre tries. They haven't found a way to replace that, have they? Mm. The Moylan, what he used to be able to do yeah. for them, and Peachy as well whether he was starting or coming off the bench or filling in a number of roles for them. They just haven't got that little bit of magic anymore. I think Jerome Luai can, but he hasn't done it enough. Whenever he comes on, I'm looking at him bounce around and step and I'm thinking he's the X factor who's going to provide for them. But he didn't the other night. He didn't land the blow they needed the other night. At times he can be pretty good at spinning in circles. Mm. He can do a good 360. Um, but... But they need a bit more than a mm. Jerome Luai 360, um, 15 <laughs> metres out from the opponent's line when he runs into a dead end and just goes, oh, nothing doing here. I'll turn around and go back the other way and see what's happening. And sometimes that works out for him. He's scored a couple of tries this but, year doing exactly that. But, but yeah, they need more than that. Maybe Kikau is that guy. Because when Sam Burgess is, although it didn't make a huge difference this weekend, if Sam Burgess is that guy for South, Tom Lolo is that guy usually for the Cowboys to inspire them. Maybe when he's back this week they'll they'll get that extra energy, he'll be running off making those great lines that he that he runs and yeah, I'm not riding them off just yet. Yeah, it's sort of that sort of stuff. Well, having those guys coming back, I think kick out would make a difference against the teams between yeah. maybe 7th and 12th yeah. and, and beyond that. But not for a, but not not for against, a major semi-final. Not, against, semi-final. The, not yeah. against Storm, Roosters, Raiders, mm. Manly, even the Bunnies despite their um, poor performance over the weekend. Mm. Um, so, uh, 
Well, so this weekend, those I, results... I think the Panthers, I mean, we probably had the Panthers... Uh, earlier in the season on our ratings, yeah, our, ra- our mid, uh, well, they were uh, after term one. Yeah, they were. Is there a chance we actually suck? Yeah, they were. Uh, them and the Broncos were the two teams. Mm. And right now, uh, the Panthers are ninth and the Broncos are tenth, and there's still a chance that they actually suck. What about South Sydney? Will they finish top four or not? Because Manly are sitting there coming to get them, and uh, the Bunnies this weekend play Melbourne. Oof. Then they've got Canterbury, Brisbane, the Warriors and the Roosters to finish. So, And the Seagulls don't have an easy run home. So I think they'll definitely be putting the pressure on them. They go to New Zealand. They've got a short – in their eyes, it's a pretty short turnaround because they've got to get to New Zealand to mm. play them on Friday. Um, they do have a couple of games on the run home back at Lotto Land, which will definitely help them because that they're just loving life on the northern beaches and that crowd's going to help them get home. But the – Manly Seagulls play the Storm again on the run home. They play the Raiders as well. So they've got a couple of really awesome games, but some really tough games. So I don't know if you want to finish in the top four. What if Des finishes in fourth and he has to go to Melbourne? They play Melbourne in round 24, I think it is, is it? And then it is. if they have to play them again in round one of the finals, week one of the finals. Having just played them, of yeah, course. They could I theoretically know. play them in, what, that three times in about nine weeks. I'd rather finish fifth. And play the Tigers. Anyway, I know that's a double taste of the double um, bite of the cherry, but I don't know if I'd want to go to Melbourne. In they just one. beat them down there. I know, but can you do it? Can you beat Melbourne three times in the space of five weeks? Well, maybe they don't have to. Maybe maybe if they win all their other games and yeah. lose at home in that game, they'd still finish in the. If they lose, if they win four or five, they'll finish in the top five. I think. I think. Yeah. Uh, either the Rabbitohs or the Raiders. Potentially, let's take a, let's take a look. The Raiders have the Roosters this week. Then they've got Melbourne. Then they've got Manly. Then they've got the Sharks. That is murderers row. That is horrible. And then they've got the Warriors at home to finish with. So I think either yeah, Manly could get in there, but yeah, you know, either the Bunnies or the Raiders won't win. You know, all their games or won't win four or five potentially. Who knows? The Raiders might. The way they're playing, the Raiders, they could beat anybody. Fantastic team, great performance, albeit against the Warriors over there. So there are some fascinating games, I guess, in what we're saying is in the weeks coming up, there are some belters. So in round 20, I went through them. Round 21, Panther Sharks. That's this Friday night. Super Sunday is Raiders Roosters, South and the Storm. And then each week there's two or three games. In round 24, you've got the Broncos and the Eels. Well, that might be do or die for the Broncos, depending on what they do in the next couple of weeks. Um, they got the Panthers in round 22. Like, they're two teams. So they're ninth and 10th meet in round 22. And mm. that, might be, that might be do or die by that stage. Mm. If the Broncos can't beat the Cowboys on the road this week, and if the Panthers can't get the cash this week either, then, you know, they, that, that will be do or die for one of them, you'd think, even as early as round 22. Mm. It wouldn't be mathematically but it would make it really tough from that point on. So fascinating games coming up. And then in round 24, I, you know, at 5.30 on Saturday night, Seagulls and the Melbourne Storm. If I was a manly marketing department, I'd be disappointed if there was more than 500 tickets left for that game right now. <laughs> that, that game just yeah. is – you could sell that out four times, couldn't you? Yeah. You could have – if there was a 60,000-seat stadium on the northern beaches, you'd have, I reckon you'd have 60,000 people there to see that game. Really? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, I wonder whether Tommy Turbo will still be unbeaten this season heading into that game. He hasn't missed a game. He hasn't lost a game. Since he's played it, yeah. Club level and origin has not lost a game in 2019. Yeah. Obviously, uh, injury has helped 
him achieve that yeah. record because he's missed a few games. But yeah. that's startling. Here we are late August and Tommy hasn't lost a game. Yeah, that was definitely a wonderful thing to see on Saturday, to be there at Lotto Land and see how, you know, this time last year we were the, the Manly Seagulls were being relocated, weren't we? Relocating them somewhere uh, and pretty sure we were saying they needed to go and, you know, we know what happened with Trent Barrett. The hill was empty at all their home games. You know, they don't deserve a team on the Northern Beaches. All that talk was happening. And then look what happens when you're suddenly a winning team. How was Des pre-game? I know you spoke to him. What he did, did he say that. about that, the atmosphere? Oh, uh, we talked, you know, I tried to get it out of him. He definitely said that they've got to take in the occasion and really make the most of the home games. And it was old in, old boys' day, so Golden Eagles' day. And mm. um, they had a huge guard of honour as the players were running out and, you know, it meant something to the players for sure when I spoke to them afterwards. But Des is just Des pre-game, trying to give you as little as possible, trying not to get <laughs> caught up in sh- shaking his hair around and twisting, being all mad. Twisting literally, physically and mentally, twisting himself in knots, <laughs> trying to say nothing. Yeah, pretty much. Arming <laughs> and ahhing and thinking of any, like, th- all these things, you could just see the wheels turning and stuff coming into his mind and, and he's saying, I can't say that, I might give something away, I'm completely paranoid, <laughs> I'm not oh. going to say that, I'm not going to say, what will I say? So he's there and he's arming and ahhing and like you say, he's curling his hair and he's shifty. If he had headphones on, he'd be playing with the headphones and he's... Yeah. he's, he's there is some, there is some wow. special feeling around them. I remember... I can't wait for Des the Musical. <laughs> It'll who, be quite who a Who would play Des? Well, Des might play himself because he, he's a muso, you know. Yes, He plays yes. guitar and when they have their little get-togethers during the season, Des will bust out the Fender... We've talked about this, haven't we? And, and, and play heart. some strongs. So, uh, play some strongs. songs. <laughs> play strong as they're playing strong. Um, he'll, he'll play some songs. Build out a few numbers. Yeah. Well, I do How see good. the paper every now and then spotted at this concert or that concert. Des has and I'm always taken aback. What's Des doing at this concert? But I, I've heard stories that he's quite the music man behind mm. the scenes. I was taken back this week thinking about following Des and the Bulldogs in his first year when he went from Manly in 2011 to the Bulldogs in 2012 and what he did with that team. I had to go out to Canterbury a lot that year. It was Ben Barber's year. It was when he had his M year and the, what he built in that first year, the feeling around the club, it just feels really similar to now he's back at Manly, the camaraderie within the team. Obviously winning helps all of it. But he's back. He's fresh again to the team, to the players. He's not. He's mad, and they'd make fun of him for sure. But whatever he's doing, a lot of one-on-one work with a lot of these players that they've probably never had before, it seems to be working. I don't know. Just being around the team the last few games, uh, have I've done a few, and I just feel like there's they're definitely it's not just a fluke, and they're building towards something. Well, listen to his record. He started first grade coaching in 2004 when Manly finished 13th. That was his rookie season. I'll run through the years after that. His finishes: eighth, fifth, second, second, fifth, eighth, second, first, sixth, seventh, fifth, seventh. Over the last two years. 11th and 5th or the last two years of his coaching. So that big chunk in the middle, I didn't read, that's where they finished at the end of the regular season. He had uh, 4, 6, 10, 12 straight years of finals footy. 12 straight after that rookie season. And two premierships. And two premierships. 08 and 11 was. So we'd all love to know what went wrong at the Bulldogs and I don't know if we'll ever hear the real story, but we'd all love to know that it didn't end well there and I'm sure that there is a different, there's different, sides to that story, but for it to have gone so spectacularly wrong and to see the Bulldogs now in a complete rebuild since he left, um, I wonder what really went down because he's come back and he can still coach. We all thought maybe he'd lost it and lost his touch because of the way the Bulldogs were playing. They couldn't attack. 
um, he maybe hadn't recruited very well or whatever, but then he's landed at Manly and that's the, yeah, up. That's the hour sit-down yeah. chat with Des. If you could ever get Des to commit to that, and I don't think you ever would. But, you know, after Ben Barber, um, part of company with the, the Bulldogs, and he, he, he lost, I guess, that brilliance that, as we're talking about with the Panthers. You know, that, what Matt Moylan used to bring to the Panthers, Des had that at the Bulldogs with Ben Barber. When he lost that, he looked at his squad, and the question is, did you figure, and I know that he, he always said that his team, uh, why he was always at the referees, because he told me he felt that his team wasn't up to the standard or up to the calibre of the Melbournes and the Roosters and their direct opponents during that period and South Sydney. And he said, we need every break from the referees that we can get. And that's, you wouldn't say it, but that's why he would explode and carry on and be fo- so focused as he was at times on refereeing because he didn't believe he had a team that could win on its own merits. He, 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 if they played to their optimum, then they could, but that's hard to do no matter who you are. He believed they had to get at least a fair share of the breaks and he was, you know, his perception... Quite often they didn't get a fair share of the breaks. And so he broke, I'm guessing he broke down, and you could see it in the way they play played. He tried to break the game down into X's and O's and make rugby league a binary code. And so it was all, you know, digital, and you could put anybody in any era into his system and play his system, and that system would give you X amount of wins per year and give you a chance to win the comp. Obviously... Had he had the Bulldogs, if he'd had Tom Travojevic and Jake Travojevic and maybe DCE and a hooker uh, early on, he had Mick Ennis and then he had Michael Leisha. But maybe if he had Manasi Fainu, um, what he could bring out of dummy half and Appy Corusau, then he wouldn't have had, he wouldn't made, he wouldn't have gone to X's and O's and this binary code and the, you know, the DES system. And he could have just played some footy like they've played this year. But has he made it more simple again? Has he gone back to the simple days of what Manly was really about, tough work, all of those things? Because the Bulldogs, when I used to go out there all the time, it was around – everything was very science. We'd always talk about the mad scientists, but he had everything at the tip of his fingers at the Bulldogs. Beetroot juice. High performance centre. He never had any of that, any bells and whistles at Manly. It was the demountables and it was a field and it was basic. He had an open checkbook. Basically, and it, he's over, he overcomplicated it then, right? Quite possibly, to his own detriment. Mm. It's they, they built the chat. wrestling cage at yeah. Belmore. I don't even know if the, yeah. the wrestling cage it's is still, still there. there at the yeah. northern I end. I think so. At yeah. Belmore, but it was like a forty-five thousand dollar cage that they built with a trampoline sort of style floor. I, I don't so think you, it's there. That's gone we, now. We I was there hurt. for Lebanon training. I don't. Oh, okay. I saw any They're wrestling ring. Yeah, right. At the, <laughs> it's at just the, a shed. You wouldn't know what it is the from the outside. Line. It's at the back. Anyway, oh, behind the behind, behind the, the posts. Yeah, yeah it okay. just looks like a shed. Mm, don't yeah. know. Anyway, but, but uh, the sit down chat was that you, you're right. Should happen, but but won't happen. Des won't allow it to happen. I'd love to ask him. Did you outthink yourself in 2017, or do you still believe there were extraneous factors that meant that your thinking would have worked had they fallen your way? I'd love to know the answer to that question. Because, the, you know, the Seagulls in 2019 don't play anything like the – I mean, no. some of those games the Bulldogs played, they would be in attack inside the red zone. They would have six carries from the four – hit up after hit up, six tackles, and then turn it over a metre out from the line. And you're sitting there with people who played for Australia and <laughs> calling the game and they'd all go, 
what the hell have we just seen? Mm. And you'd see it time and time again. And it was playing to some, as I say, some digital version, some binary code, the DES code, not the Da Vinci code, the DES code that he had worked out was a winning platform for rugby league. Let me jump forward to 2019, right here, right now. Is your coach of the year Des Hasler or is it Craig Bellamy? Now, the obvious answer is to jump straight into Des because his team has performed wildly above expectations. But can you go away instantly from a bloke who has achieved sustained success and at this rate looks like winning the minor premiership by six points? You know, that's a fair claim. Just because a team improves dramatically and wildly exceeds expectations. Do you give it to Des over Craig Bellamy? I've got, I've got to say, I don't mind either way. I really don't. If, if Craig Bellamy's name was to be read out of Coach of the Year, I think that that is just reward for mm. a bloke who year after year gets amazing results out of a team, having watched them beat Brisbane in that sort of method. If he's Coach of the Year, I'm not upset. They've lost three games by four points. So you, could, you can build an argument both ways. Can I decide after they play them again in round two? And that's the thing. It, it will if be they play later each on. other, if and, they and play I, each other, when they play each other again, and you know what, the winner of that's coach of the year. And you know what, Shane Heal in another world, basketball world, raises a very good argument. How can you name coach of the year at the end of the regular season? Mm. He said, coaches are employed to win premierships. So if you announce a coach of the year after round twenty-five in our case, and then you get knocked out, and then in the second week, then the Craig Bellamy goes out in two, or, or Des's. Um, uh, yeah. Eagles suck big time in the finals and Craig lifts another trophy. Yeah. Uh, is the 2019 Coach of the Year really awarded correctly at the end of the regular season? So it's determined by the 25 rounds, is That's it? That's right. Okay. Because it comes at the end of those 25 weeks, yeah. I assume. Well, it's, it's like announced the in the awards. week. No, but it's announced in the week of the, fi- of the grand is. final on the Daily M night, right? Mm, so, yes. okay. We're influenced by the, the coach who is perceived to have improved his mm. team the most. Yeah. And that might well be... You know, Manly are at a low ebb court obviously last year and they're flying now. I mean, the improvement mm. in them is off the charts. Um, and Craig Bellamy suffers from just continued excellence every mm. year. Well, that, that's the thing. Then Coach of the Year, if you're sustained excellence, you're never going to win Coach of the Year because you're good every year. You know what I'm saying? That's, what? The, that's the argument behind it. If it's got to be improvement or... Um, you know, exceeding expectations. He's got to foul are, again before he gets coach of the year. There are coaches who will never win coach of the year because they do it year in, year out. So maybe we need to institute a coach of the decade. Yeah. Who's the coach of the decade? Well, that's a, that's a very good point, Was Let's... Uh... <laughs> I mean, Craig Bellamy's quite obviously in the in the top two or three. Mm. Uh, Trent Robinson's got a fair case and, and Des has a case as well. Yeah. Well, so Seabold won it last year. He did. He's the reigning coach of the year. Yeah, probably not going to win Coach of the Year this year. No. But I'm trying to think what happened to South in the finals last year. They got to week, they got to the they, prelim. They won two of their yeah. last seven games of the season, including the, the, um, yeah, the finals. So they collapsed. Um, fell on their own sword. Mm-hmm. They had issues off the field. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the, all the talk about Wayne Bennett, Anthony Seabold, what was so happening. So he, he won based on goings. the fact that it was his rookie year, didn't he? That he did so well. Yeah, stepped in and, and did a great job and, mm. and made them a, a premiership so there you go. It's contender about. after they were disappointing, of course, um, the last season and a half or so under Michael Maguire. So, again, uh, a perceived mm. um, you know, improvement of a team. It, it rates higher than Craig Bellamy or 
you know, Trent Robinson, um, because they've had that sustained excellence, as you mentioned a moment ago, Matty. Yeah. So, uh, Des will, uh, you know. I think Des Unless they collapse, Des will bolt in, I think, for Coach of the Year as far Can't as the, wait for his speech. the judges <laughs> are concerned. What else caught your eye over the course of round 20? The performance of the Sharks. Wade Graham straight back and the tackle from uh, Sam... That means that he'll be missing this week. Sam Burgess uh, facing suspension unless he has some luck at the judiciary going from grade two down to grade one. Bit of criticism as to whether it should have been grade two or grade one. Given that Moylan stayed on the field for a period of time, I suppose some people were saying, well, hang on, yeah. grade one. But, yeah, grade two is not a big difference from grade one. You watch, you're at that game. You're Call calling it. that game. Yep. I feel like the Sharks did a... Really good job of targeting Dane Gagai and James Roberts. Um, Bronson Cherry was on that side and had a, had a field day and he's going to have a field day against a lot of teams on that edge if he continues to play the way he is. But I think that would be Wayne Bennett's a concern for him because if you, I watched a lot of the body language between James Roberts and Dane Gagai and they weren't they didn't look very happy with each other. And, of course, that's what happens when you concede a few tries down your edge. But there were a few times particularly that Roberts was getting caught out and Gagai was left stranded and looked really unhappy about it. And I know there's been headlines around Gagai not wanting to play on the wing and they've obviously brought Roberts from Brisbane for whatever reason. And I'm not sure that it's working very well, that edge for them in defence. I was just, I find that interesting sometimes when you just decide to keep your eye on a certain player or combination in a game and it looked like a real con- – I think it would be a concern for, for Wayne because it's a new combination. It's obviously one they picked up late in the season um, or mid-season anyway, and it's leaking. And that, yeah, that's been the scouting report on James Roberts, I guess basically throughout his entire career, isn't it? I mean, defence is not his strong suit, mm-hmm. and it's not his inability. It's not, a, you know, like a physical thing. It's a mental thing. It's a, but you bring it's a, a player, decision-making thing. a big-name Is he player? jamming in yeah. and getting to the – the ball player before he either fires a cutout or gives it to the centre that he's opposing or does he hang back and maintain his space and that allows Gagai to maintain his space because if Roberts goes, Gagai's got to go and the winger always looks bad if they don't get there in time and the opposing winger scores untouched in the corner and everybody goes, why didn't he stay on his wing? Mm. Well, if he stays on his wing and the centre comes jamming in and misses... The five-eighth or the half-back passes to the centre and the mm. centre scrolls through a massive hole mm. and he scores untouched. But some of, I'm not, as if someone who has never played rugby league, I know that it's hard to say that someone is being lazy, but some of the reads and the efforts, I thought, looked lazy. Well, if you're seeing it, Lara, I guarantee you Craig Bellamy is seeing it and I guarantee you if any team in the competition can exploit a defensive frailty, mm. it's the Melbourne Storm. So it will very much be at the focus of their preparation, both teams... And uh, as the game unfolds, Melbourne South is part of that wonderful round. Oh, my goodness. What a game. What a game. I mean, this weekend, um, it's the 4 o'clock game on Sunday at Central Coast Stadium. Speaking of sellouts, that should be sold out right now. Mm. If you're a footy fan up there on the Central Coast, if you're a Rabbitohs fan, you're driving up the highway. If you're a Melbourne Storm fan who's cashed up, you're jumping on a plane. Or if you live in Sydney, you're a Melbourne Storm fan. I know a few Sydney types who are Melbourne Storm fans because they've uh, young blokes who've grown up, you know, with Melbourne being there every year. And if you're down on your luck, your hitchhiking was, just get there. Whatever. Yeah. Just get there because Russell's long-term weather forecast, uh, oh. sunny, 17 degrees. It'll be hotter than that on Gos- in Gosford. So, yeah. yeah, if it nudges 20 and the sun's shining, it's a beautiful, beautiful ground to be at. And then earlier, if you're not in on the Central Coast, you'd be in Canberra because that will be, I don't know, that 
that only tops it by a smidge, but that 2v3 Roosters v Raiders will be an absolute cracker. So looking at that game between Melbourne and the Rabbitohs, the Rabbitohs at the moment in fourth position on 93 points uh, points differential, for and against, 13 ahead of Manly. Of course, Manly in action uh, themselves this weekend. They take on the Warriors. I'm doing that game on Friday night at Mount Smart Stadium. So, you know, Manly red-hot favourites to win. Uh, the Warriors were just flat-out awful. It looked like, um, you know, them amongst with the Titans and maybe the Cowboys had just hung them up for the season and they mailed it in in that effort against the Raiders. So Manly, if you give them, let's say they win that one and they win it comfortably, um, which is you know on the cards, they will pick up a lot of for and against and that could be a win that um, takes them to 28 points. If the Rabbitohs lose to Melbourne, uh, Manly could vault into fourth position and be in the box seat then to bat on and, and finish in the top four. We mentioned their run is... Uh, not bad. I mean, they've got the Warriors this week. They've got the Tigers the week after. Got the Raiders and then Melbourne again in rounds 23, rounds 24, respectively. They finish with Parramatta as well. So the last three games, um, pretty tough games for Manly, but over the next couple of weeks, they can vault themselves into the top four and uh, and have the Rabbitohs on the outside looking in. And that would be, if the Rabbitohs finished in fifth to eighth, gee, that would be a massive disappointment, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, and Manly should smash the Warriors. They've beaten them in eight of their last nine. They put 46 on them. In round three this year in Christchurch, they just have this knack of doing a job on the Warriors who looked like they didn't want to be there. It looked like they were basically sooking uh, as if the season's gone, this game's gone, we don't want to be here. No wonder Stephen Kearney reacted the way he did. Such a normally mild-mannered yeah. uh, well, fellow. Sh- I should have seen that ten weeks ago. Oh. They've been like rubbish all year. They have a couple of good games. They're only If, they, if you take Roger Tuivasa-Shek out of that team, what... What wins would they even have? Well, there you go. And and last year they made the finals for the first time since 2011. You'd think that was the impetus to say, righto, well, let's not just make up the eight now. Let's really be a force in the eight. They've gone backwards. They're not going to make the eight. So it leaves West Tigers with the longest current yeah. finals drought. But the Tigers might just snap that if Benji and Robbie can keep going like they did on Thursday night. And And I was thinking, is that a fair result for West Tigers? If they make the eight, would that be a good season? For West Tigers, Michael Maguire wouldn't say that Not two weeks. publicly. It would be based on two weeks ago when he ripped shreds off them for having no character. Mm. So to to do that when probably we were writing them off and saying, you know what, that this is just a, another rebuild year and Maguire's going to have a hard finish to the season if they make the eight. I thought they were gone, but they sit eighth. They, they're eighth as we speak with, I think we mentioned last week, was a, a reasonably favourable run home. Mm. Yeah, they... Um, They've given themselves a chance, haven't they? And they're they're in the top eight at the moment. Um, their run home, let's take a I've look. I've got it. At Dogs, it. Got it? Sea Eagles, Knights, Dragons, Sharks. So, you know, I think we can roll the Dogs, the Knights and the Dragons. We'll lift against Manly and Cronulla and we'll see you in the finals. So that's a massive game, quite obviously, in round 22 against the Sea Eagles and again in round 25 against the Sharks. The Dogs, the Knights and the Dragons all out of the top eight. If you're doing uh, your planning, what? If you're fair, Nick, and if you're going to make the top eight, you beat the Bulldogs, you beat the Knights. They all did that um, mm. a couple of weeks ago. And then they beat uh, well, last week. So they, oh, they play them again. So they played the Knights in round 19 and they play them again in round 23. It's a quick turnaround, isn't it, between two games at the back end of the season. Park your car in Mary Street now for the final round. Uh, at Leichhardt. Robbie's final Robbie's game Robbie's final Leichhardt game. Leichhardt Oval. Yeah, and, and, you know, they play Cronulla. Unless, 
Robbie's final game at Leichhardt Oval, unless they were to finish in fifth or sixth, yes. I'm guessing they would say we're playing at Bankwest Stadium they would. as it's now one of their home games. Mm. Boy, it'd be tempting, though, to say, you know what, we're playing week one of the finals. Someone six, challenged six me Six versus that. seven at Leichhardt Oval. I've described it as being Robbie's last hurrah at Leichhardt. So maybe not, maybe not, but surely if they play a final having finished in that position to earn that right... It will be at Bankwest. And what a run that would be if they finished fifth or sixth. Can we just say we want them, they could finish in eighth yeah, or yeah, seventh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifth or sixth. Let's just say that you crazy. need to be at, at Leichhardt <laughs> for round 25. Yes. That will be a beauty. Um, no long range weather forecast for that one yet, though. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> the Warriors, back to them, who take on the Seagulls this week. I mean, their forward pack against the Raiders just, just got smashed. Um, Here's the, here's the metres for the forward pack. Agdacious Parsi, 57. Jazz Tavanga, who played hooker for the majority of the game, played a, a bit of lock forward as well when Lawton came on, 59 metres. Lisa Armour ran for 115 metres. Adam Blair, uh, big numbers for Adam Blair, he ran for 74 metres. <laughs> he, can, he can go through games and run for 25. Um, Isaiah Papali'i, he did run for 23 metres. Um, Lachlan Burr, 81. And then the forwards on the bench... Buddy Afoa, as honest as they come, always does well, 92 metres. Um, the best as far as minutes to um, metres was Josh Curran, who played his debut game for the Roosters back in round six against Melbourne down there at Amy Park. Mid-season switch over to the Warriors, gets a, a chance to um, come off the bench against the Raiders. He ran for uh, 86 metres, I think it was, so um, 83 metres. Um, in just over half an hour of action. Uh, good numbers compared to everybody else. So, you know, it's, you don't have to look too far to the Warriors to work out where they're not aiming up. And, and the halves get most of the attention, but if you're on the back foot and you've got no field position to play with, then it's really hard. And the Warriors need to find some forwards who are going to do a job for them and not just melt in the, in the early evening air in, in Auckland as they did against the Raiders last Friday night. It was appalling. Yeah. The less said about the Warriors, the better. <laughs> the, the, yeah, sorry to our New Zealand listeners, but your team needs to find something. Yeah. I think I've been harsh enough on them for one podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and the week before, I mean, the, you know, the fans in particular and, and some sections of the media over there were blowing up about the refereeing. Rightly so. They got the raw end of the prawn. Um, against the the Eels the week before. But, you know, they, they were starting to make cases as to why, you know, the refereeing was the reason the Warriors weren't going to make the top eight or potentially cost them a spot in the top eight. And that was a storyline that was getting a bit of traction over here as well. well that, that loss, that refereeing performance as a way to kick the refs, Mm. That performance, that, that could cost them a spot in the eight. Well, right, well let's go as, back to round 11. As I 11 said, in, said, on, they... said on Twitter, if you think that's the reason yeah. they're not going to make the eight, you haven't been watching the Warriors. Yeah. Round, ele- round 11, you can't score a try at home v the Broncos in there a 2 go. v 8 epic. Yes, mm. that's right. 8 2. Hey, was we've got time for a bit of uh, listener feedback or a question. We do go Twitter, on. Or do we want to go yeah. somewhere else what first? Are you, where are you going? This one from Michael Darren, 79. He wants to know why the broadcast director uh, can't switch to a camera at the end of the ground during field goal. Oh, he sent attempt. me the same tweet. So you would have received the same one. I'll have first crack and you can come in. I know our Ernest producer, Phil Prize, raised a very good point as well. Firstly, there's a cost factor, I imagine, but let's ignore that and say the funds are available. Secondly, I imagine it's very hard for the director to pull the trigger on the end of 
field camera at just the right moment so not to jolt the viewer at home horribly. And as Phil suggested, if the attempt comes from anywhere but straight in front, it's very hard to tell whether the ball goes across the face or through the posts. And finally, if it was going to be a workable good solution, I think it would have been done by now. So I I really respect and understand the question, but I think there are good reasons why we don't see more of it. And after you have your say, I'll tell you what we use as commentators to pick whether the field goal's (laughs) gone through or not, was. (laughs) Um, No, you've nailed it. Um, It's a cost thing. There there aren't end-on cameras at every game, Um, Mm. whether it's a Channel 9 broadcast or a Fox Sports broadcast. I think more and more there is but it's certainly not at every game. Well, often at the replay we get the right angle, though. Well, We, get, we have get, a behind-the-player kick angle and a behind-the-post angle. Yeah, there might be a camera at one end of the at the ground, but it's also, uh, you know, from a, an aesthetic, like a viewing um, experience, if you cut from it's a, a, risk. a camera on the halfway line to suddenly a camera right. which is at 90 degrees to the play it could, and, and they don't take the field goal or it, it's just... I think or you it miss be, it, just, or you miss just the just be angle. really jarring. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a really jarring cut if, if that's the best way to describe it. And the viewer has to pick the ball up quickly, yeah. having followed it from side on to all of a sudden end on, which yeah. sounds easy. But it sounds easy when you watch the replay in slow mos and you know where the ball goes. But in actual time, it's tricky. Yeah. If you wanted to be really technical, imagine you could press the red button for golden point and just have the head-on angle for the whole set, so you could because you know they're going to spend. You know that all they're going to ever do is set for a field goal. So you're right? saying, so yeah, or, or during live you play, can... you could park it on the end angle for tackles four, five, six. Yeah. On well, times earlier in the season, at venues where spider cam was available, and it's usually you know, it's only like places like Suncorp. It's not certainly not magic the suburban round. grounds. It's a magic round. It's it's Suncorp. It's the bigger stadiums, Amy Park, um, all the newer modern stadiums. Um, we did take, you know, we'd take three or four tackles um, at a time yep. with spider cam following the play and we didn't persist with it. And I'm going to say partly because uh, when it was available, partly because the viewers didn't enjoy the experience. I'm, I'm, you know, anecdotally, mm. I'm going to say the, the larger percentage of viewers didn't enjoy mm. watching the game as you would say an NFL game where they had the spider cam, that, that view from behind the quarterback, and he drops back into the pocket and either I saw hands it off or fires a pass. around Magic Ground. I loved it. I saw people whinging on social about it makes me feel sick, this weird jumping mm. between spider cam. and There were a couple of replays awesome. that were fantastic. I that, love that seeing it dynamic. from a different angle. Like, I think it's fantastic. So when it wasn't every week, yeah. When we're calling Golden Point, when yes. they, and when an attempt is taken, if you're at the venue, the home venue for the team that is taking the potentially winning shot, their fans behind the uprights are the first indicator. They go up or down depending on whether their team has missed or not. And if you're at an away venue, then obviously they sit there static. Then the crowd is an indicator. The player who's kicked it is an indicator. And thirdly and finally, you go to the referee who normally after much consideration signals field goal was. The worst one is when a team takes a field goal attempt, say with six minutes to play or five minutes to play, whatever the time frame is, and it's 18 all, and Adam Reynolds snaps a field goal for the Rabbitohs and completely emotionless yes. <laughs> hits it and spins and sort of starts running backwards. And you don't know as the ball's in flight whether he's so confident that he's kicked it, it's going through, I'm not even going to watch it, 
or he's disgusted because he's pulled it and it's missed two metres to the left-hand side. And you're at a big, spacious Western Sydney Stadium, for example, that doesn't have any fans at the north no and southern re- end. No reaction, <laughs> and his teammates may not have a reaction either. And at six minutes to play, if you go ahead 19-18, you're not pointing to the sky and no. a teammate isn't jumping into your arms. There's none of that to sort of give you an idea. And it's just like you really have to sort of just be confident that the ball's gone through the post or wait until the referee starts to raise his arm and say, shh, got the field goal. Yeah. So you might hear commentators buying time. Sure. (laughs) You use all those tricks of the trade, those tools that you have to give yourself a cup, just a pad for a couple of seconds until you're confident because you don't want to go off too early. No. Because you come off and and say, oh, he's got it. And then they go, shh, no, waved it away. You go, (laughs) that one lives with you for about uh, three or four years. Yeah. if, If you go off too early. Yes. So <laughs> there you go. So uh, thank you, Michael Darren, for your uh, email or tweet. Yeah, Don't have I emails t- anymore. I'm just trying tweet. to quickly fire back. Um, if you want an altar, I'll start us through next week's games. Next Have week's it? game. Yeah, okay. let's go. Well, it starts on Thursday. Cowboys uh, v Broncos. One three hundred Smile Stadium. Uh, do, do the Broncos bounce back? Do the Cowboys bounce back after being ordinary against the Tigers? Mm, what are you going to say, Matthew? I am going to say that you sound like my mother then. <laughs> That's scary. Mm. I don't get Matthew, Matthew. very often. Matthew. Uh, um, I actually became Matt when I first worked <laughs> in television. Day one on the job, I was out at Orange and a bloke in Wollongong, whose name escapes me, rang up and said, I'm writing your name in as the what we call the super, you yeah. know, Matt Russell reporting. Yeah. or Matt. Do you want to be Matthew or Matt? And I said, oh, mate, I don't know. He goes, I'll make it Matt. It's shorter to type. So I was Matt Russell from that point forth. There you go. Otherwise, I could have been Matthew Russell. How I about was, that? I was once Lara Kemeny and then I became Lara Pitt. So mm. there you Did go. Did you have much angst about whether you were going to change? <laughs> no. Goodbye. Yeah. Okay. Anthony just said, you're changing woman. I'm a modern woman in many <laughs> ways, but it, with, the, with the name, not a problem. Because Vonnie had a, had a quick change and then back. No, so she's her, her stage name remains the same. Right. But she's a, a Von O'Keefe every other, every other place. Okay. Now, yeah. what were we anyway, talking sorry. about? <laughs> what were we talking about? Okay, what Cowboys or Broncos? Warren Cowboys. Brown? Cowboys, Broncos, <laughs> Matthew. We can't uh, make Warren any longer. Um, Cowboys v Broncos, what are you doing? I, I'm going for the Cowboys at home to bounce back. I'm not going for them. I, I think that's the way I would lean if I was um, trying to give my... Mm. Uh, direction in this game. Okay. Um, I will do the exact opposite and say that Brisbane will do a much better account of themselves. and that They've got more to play for, don't yeah, they? Yeah, and the Cowboys have certainly been very disappointing. Mm. I don't think that they're a very happy camp. Come on, no. deciding vote. Yeah, no, Cowboys I think or Broncos? I'm with Warren. Warren. I'm going to say the Broncos will um, yeah, turn around and uh, maybe a bit of soul searching. Warriors v Seagulls. Naval gazing at all <laughs> levels of the club. I think the uh, the Broncos might get the Cowboys. Warriors Seagulls is the first game on Friday night. This is a no brainer. Um, I'm not, yeah. a, not a punter. Don't bet on the footy. Uh, but I would imagine if I was setting a market right now, I'd have the Seagulls about a dollar five. <laughs> yeah, and and Manly under Des Hasler, who will make sure they take the field in the right frame of mind. You'd imagine will continue this long-term dominance of the Warriors. No-brainer. Seagulls, for sure. Panthers and Sharks, 
Huge game. Friday night, Penrith, again, should be a sellout. Grab your tickets now if you're in the area. Jump on Ticketek or whoever does it, Ticketmaster, um, via GoGo, someone, whoever Scalpers. Scalpers. <laughs> Get a ticket. Go and see them at Penrith. I'm sure you can buy a ticket down to the Is Leeds Is there a club. hole in the fence anywhere there was? You could just sneak in? Wouldn't have thought Not so. Not that we'd encourage that. Wouldn't have thought so in 2019. No. Um, but uh, get there, um, you Panthers fans and you Sharks fans, make the effort to be up there because it'll be a sensational game. So and no uh, one, one of the games will have a direct influence. It's seventh versus ninth. Both teams on nine wins and ten losses. Huge points for and against differential, though. The Sharks are now plus eight after that win against the Rabbitohs. Panthers are minus 69. That's that's almost that that points differential is almost as bad as being either one if not two wins worse off to the, their opponent this week. It's it's at least it's at least a one game if you mm. were to say you would win and trying to raise some of that. But to a rate to get back to zero, they've got to be sixty nine better than their opponents in the remaining five weeks. Well, that's, and given how how few points they score. That's almost, I would say, impossible for them to do. So I, I would think they're going to finish in the negative. And while we have had teams obviously make the eight with negative records as far as for and against in recent seasons, um, I think the Sharks might have been one of them themselves in recent times. But the Panthers, that, that's as good as a, another loss. They're almost a loss worse off because of their record at minus 69. Well, they'll also lose James Maloney. Jerome Luai, I'd imagine, will parachute straight into the Haas with maybe a Jed Cartwright onto the interchange. Um, the way Cronulla performed the other night, the way Penrith didn't perform against the Dogs on form, most people would lean towards the visitors, I would imagine. You, Lara? Yeah, I'm going to say the Sharkies. Um, Wade Graham will love playing at his old stomping ground, that mm. former Panthers that are in the Sharkies lineup. They'll be... Fired up a few for there. a really big performance. So, yeah, I'm going to say Cronulla. Uh, Matt Moylan will come back and, yeah, spoil the party. And the Panthers fans will be crying into their, their scarves because Matt Moylan comes back and, and has a big game and, and Wade Graham has a big game as well. Um, Saturday, Dragons and Titans, Eels and Knights, Bulldogs and Tigers. Rip through these ones. What do you think? Titans, <laughs> uh, I mean... I want to spend half an hour right. talking the about the Dragons and the Titans. I'm doing this game was so they really delve down into this. Um, they are untippable. You know, let's, they, not, let's just not put a tip in for this game. Been, we haven't spoken about that effort from Paul Vaughan with a compound fracture of the finger trying to leave the field. An opposition player runs at him. Uh, was it uh, Brad Takarangi? Mm-hmm. And with one arm... <laughs> The other grabs him by the busted. collar. He collars him. That, that that was one of the highlights of the round. It was just because it was bizarre. It mm. was brave. I, I haven't seen anything like that before. It was the second half that needed some highlights. <laughs> yeah. Didn't yeah. It? yeah. So yeah. There, Dragons fans are cheering. Um, <laughs> well, I hope there's some there to cheer Sorry. at Netstrata Stadium. We will be there, Matthew. Saturday. We will be, and you'd imagine that the Dragons, as tough a season as are they you are, there having. as well, Lars. Yes. Oh my. Yeah. Just for more punishment. I was there yesterday and I'm going back again today, tomorrow, this week. So me and Matthew will be there. Yeah. Together. Well, dragon, the Dragons will beat the Titans. Yeah. If the, honestly, if that, they don't, that's the sort of game yeah. that could cost a coach's job. If if there is, you know, any sort of well, the Titans don't have appetite <laughs> on the board for, you know, after all this drama and fail Mary and Sack McGregor and goodness knows what other signs and, and the 
social media campaigns and you know, the Dragons fans quite obviously can fire up at the drop of a hat. No, he's safe. He could not win another game this season. They'll well, make some changes. I, you know what? No, I don't, I don't agree. To get, to don't get agree? Beaten, I, no. no, I won't agree if with that. If they spectacularly I, fail in the last five if, weeks, he'll be in big trouble. If they were to be beaten by the Titans, who have just sacked their coach for perceived failure, to be beaten by them at Cogra, at the Heartland... That is a loss that would cost, could cost a coach his job. And they play the Sharks the following week. Mm, so, okay. yeah, they have, this is a game out of the run home. They have to win. Have, have to, to win. Have to. There is no two choices. Th- they this is, have this is, to win. They won't play in the finals quite obviously this year, the Dragons. This is a grand final. This, this is a ma- – I'm not just trying to beat up – a stinker on a three, a 3 o'clock time slot on Saturday saying people should watch this because, you know, I'm trying to beat it up. This is a grand final for the so, Dragons. So, so I just want to really boil this down. You're saying that if the Titans beat the Dragons this weekend, you'd expect that next weekend, next week, there'll be all sorts of legitimate, serious discussions about Paul McGregor being sacked. Despite the fact the board only just gave him a two-year extension, the fact that they're on the record of saying the players aren't performing, you can't blame the coach, and despite the fact that saying we're going to change some of the... Uh, um, assistant roles around him. You're saying that this I'm, time next week, if the Titans yeah. beat the Dragons, Paul McGregor could well be in the spotlight as following Garth out the door. I'm not sure that the, a decision or a change will be made next week, but it will contribute to whatever happens mm. at the end of round 25 because their it, games after that are going to be a hell of a lot tougher. So if they lose this weekend, you can't imagine they're going to be picking up many more wins before they play the Titans again in round 25. Yeah. I think it'll be irrelevant. The Dragons will beat the Titans. Okay. Well, let's have a chat about this Monday. Let's move on. Parramatta, Newcastle. That was supposed to be a quick tip. I know. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I know. Okay. Um, yeah, well, my mind is already working about how we're going yeah. to really Put the pressure on someone. Yep, excellent. Work that game. Parramatta v Newcastle. I am going to go Parramatta. I feel like watching Newcastle on Saturday makes me think they are finished. Yeah. Five straight losses and haven't looked like it, have they? And they don't look like they should be playing finals unless they can sit, seriously turn it on its head and play ridiculously well again for the next five games. Parramatta at Bank West, enough said. Eels. Yeah, uh, the Eels for my... But just, just quickly, what about the night season? They won in, in round one. Um, they fired up the forward pack, were good because they were trying to prove a point to Paul Gallon. And then they fell off the cliff. They lost five in a row. They then won six in a row got lapped by the Melbourne Storm, beat the Broncos. So they had that good patch between rounds 7 and 15, that middle third of the season, and then they've been hopeless from that point on. Beaten by the Warriors, the Dogs, the Roosters have got lapped. Beaten by the Tigers in a tight one and then lapped again on the road at uh, Manly against the Seagulls over the course of the weekend. It's just been uh, an incredible season and there they were. They were flying. Brownie was going to get the sack. Then he was the Messiah, and now who knows he could get the sack again. There's another coach under pressure. Another two teammates, old teammates, Paul McGregor and Nathan Brown, mm. and here they are uh, facing their Waterloo in the weeks ahead. Yeah, and I'll go back to Parramatta. They've won six of their seven at Bank West, and big scores along the way, 38 against Brisbane, 30 points against West Tigers, 32 against St. George Illawarra. They opened with 51 there against the Tigers as well. Uh, they're building some sort of record at their new home ground. It's 
Speaking of Waterloo, I went and saw Muriel's wedding a couple of weeks ago. It's pretty good. If you're in <laughs> How town, do you get from water? Oh, if, if you're in... Because it's ABBA. ABBA's, yeah. a, big, ABBA's yeah. a big theme in... Yeah, I got it. Yeah, How are la- we friends? When was the last... How are we friends? When was, ABBA. When oh was the last God. time you saw Muriel's Help wedding? Me. Have you seen Muriel's wedding? Yeah, I do like Muriel's wedding, but I don't like that one in Greece with Meryl Streep, which you probably like. My wife liked no. that. What's that? ABBA one. No, no, no. no. Mamma Mia. No, Mamma no. Mia. That's no, all ABBA. No, no, no. Ugh, can no. we not go there? Did no, you like dress it. up as an ABBA person no, for Muriel. retro rants? No, that what you're I doing? didn't. No, I'm a, like, secretary or something. You Muriel, don't like Muriel's wedding is good <laughs> for reasons other than, you know, um, uh, Muriel being a big ABBA fan. <laughs> or Mariel as she How becomes when she comes to get, Sydney yeah. because she's got to be cool. Um, Sunday, back onto the footy. Super Sunday, Raiders and Roosters. It is two versus three Pretty and sure we one versus the four on tigers, Sunday. So what right. are you, oh, Dogs, Tigers. Sorry, Dogs, Tigers. <laughs> uh, um, if the Tigers... Quick. If the Tigers have any pretense of being a top eight team, then they beat the Bulldogs, yep. despite the Bulldogs' form mm. over the past, um, you know. I like that game on paper. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. I know there's some blockbusters, but that game, I want to see whether the Dogs can back up. The Tigers playing for their finals life. A mm. uh, couple of Western Sydney rivals. That'll be a good one. Dogs beat the Tigers back in round three. Their first win of the there season, 22 points to eight. So um, it's a game where the Tigers go in with the pressure on them because they're expected to win. Mm. I guess they were expected to beat the Cowboys at home. Um, we'll see how they fare against the Dogs, but oh, you'd think you've got to tip the, the Dogs. Uh, sorry, the Tigers in that one. Mm. Sunday, Raiders or Roosters? Roosters, <sighs> 58 points. Now, mm. because... Not against the Raiders, though. No, they're not going to score 58 against the Raiders, and the Raiders are at home, but just the awesome manner in which Tedesco seemed to be involved in absolutely everything. Every time he touched the ball, it looked like they were going to score a try. I'm going to go against you. Green Machine. They've got a good record against them at home. And I think that that man, James Desco, might just fire up Ricky and his Raiders because didn't he say thanks to Robbie Farrow last week for stopping him from going there? Yeah, he was going to go to Canberra and then re-nigged. Anyway. They'll they'll be all over that. Uh, Earlier this season. He loves that Just to uh, refresh your memories, Magic Round. Up there in Brizzy. That was a crazy game. 30 points to 24 was a bit of a crazy game. Latrell Mitchell went off with what looked to be like a month-long groin groin injury injury, and he was back within about 25 minutes. Yeah, that was a crazy game. The Raiders looked like they were going to come home and get them in the end, but, yeah, it was awesome. That was a really great contest. So it'll be be really tight. I guess, you know, Raiders at home. I I think you just – I'm going to say the Roosters. But, uh, you know, the Titans – Doing what they did to the Titans yesterday gives you a false sense of, you know, maybe where they're at. And remembering that it was only a couple of weeks ago that the Roosters were beaten by the uh, North Queensland Cowboys up there at Gosford. Since then, they they lapped the Knights. That's no form line. They beat the Bulldogs 20 points to 12. Wasn't much to, you know, be, mm. be too wrapped about that. And then uh, they've lapped to the, the Gold Coast Titans 58 points to 6. So be careful about being too caught up in what you saw yesterday at the SCG because the Titans, honest to goodness, they were like Otto bins placed around the field <laughs> and the, and it was just a training run. They were, they were all human witches' hats. I'm going to do a daily Cherry Evans. I'm backflipping on my expectations. Having yes. looked at the record alerted by Lara Pitt, I can see the Roosters have lost their last five in Canberra and following Anthony Seabold's thinking, they're no chance this weekend. The green machine to win was? Okay. You. Yeah, I, it's a toss of the coin for mine. I, look, I'll say the Roosters, but... <laughs> 
We'll turn you around. Not with any great confidence because the Raiders are playing some sensational footy. Um, and the Rabbitohs and the Storm, the final game of round 21, uh, the Storm up there at Gosford, bit of a neutral venue for both teams, obviously. Um, Far more straightforward, I hard, feel. Hard to go past the Storm. Mm. Mm. Mm, very hard. Impossible. Yeah. Mm. And, and, you know, back-to-back losses against two contenders in the Sharks and the uh, the Storm. Uh, of course, the minor premiers elect at the moment now. Once again, uh, six clear at the top of the table on 34 points with, uh, yeah, the Roosters, Raiders and Rabbitohs all on 28 points. Uh, They've got an incredible record against be no, them. There'd be no disgrace or no shame in losing to the Melbourne mm. Storm, but uh, back-to-back losses at this time of the season, people will start saying, here go the Rabbitohs again after winning just two of their last seven in 2019 to crash out of the, the finals and the, the title race. Have we covered it all? Uh, except for a bit of breaking news, just uh, courtesy our friends here at Fox League. Uh, oh. Guess who is a shock contender to sign Jesse Ramian? A shock. The salary cap sombrero that is the Roosters. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's, that's what I thought when I read it. But I'm reading the break. You asked me, is there anything else? There's something. There's something for listeners to follow in the week to come. Joseph Manu and Latrell Mitchell, they're not going anywhere. Um, does, do, do, let, me, let me quote. Bit do, of a wrap on see? where Jesse Ramian might end up, leading on shock roosters throwing their hat in the ring. Can I throw, can I throw a bit of a curveball in there um, and say that if Jesse Ramian was to go to the roosters, he might well be an edge forward. There you go. Big enough to be an edge forward. I could see him make it, making a transition. Mm, yeah. Speed and, and plenty Last of power Last time I checked that a few well. edge forwards was as well, though. Yeah, Mitch Orbison, though, yeah. is about to mm. retire potentially. He's off contract at the end of this season. And we all just and he said he, w- he wouldn't play against the Roosters after nah. all this time. Nah. And there was all that rumour and innuendo about the happiness of Angus Crichton. And he's even been talking in the last few weeks about how uh, Robbo's been trying to get him to become to play more in the middle anyway. So you wouldn't put it past them, would you? Jesse Raymond, the, there's the Smith tip. Jesse Raymond might well be an edge forward for the Roosters. No room and, a, for, and a pretty fair backup in the centres as well. No room for sentiment in rugby league, but on 282 NRL games, as a one-club player, surely yeah, Mitch Orbison yeah. has one more season and 300 as a rooster left in him in some capacity. Yeah, sentiment is a dangerous thing if you're I trying to win like football games. I just, just feel like I love he'd sentiment. play for free. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> he loves it so much. That's Well, play for free, tally, I don't know, <laughs> 10, might have to. <laughs> 10 to 15 games next year, get to 300 <laughs> and live the rest of your life as a Roosters legend if he's not already He'd was. be a great backup, wouldn't he? Well, there you go, a bit of news right at the end. Enjoy your ride home in the car or the train or the bus or if you're walking the dog, however you uh, consume this podcast. Until next week. You can take me now. I've seen it all.